talking about what we're calling the X factor, and I tried to share with you a view that probably combats a view that was held a long time ago, and I say a long time ago, 15, 20, 25 years ago in the church concerning those who had been through a divorce. And I'm not going to go through that again. I want to encourage you that if you weren't here for that, that you would go to SoundCloud, sound as in sound, cloud as in what we're hoping to see some of this week so that we get some rain, soundcloud.com, and if you put in the search tab, Spyro FBC, it'll bring up some of the most recent sermons that we had. You'll see that there's one called the X Factor. That was last Sunday's sermon, and what it was about was I was just trying, my goal was to try to give a, a, a new refreshing view as to how we deal with those who have been through a divorce, because I personally don't believe that we've done a great job in the church generally in that subject before. I think we've had for too many years people who have felt ashamed, people who have felt like damaged goods, people who have felt guilty, people who have felt like second-class citizens in the church and in the kingdom of God, people who have been held back from using their gifts and talents in the church because they've been through a divorce and, and the church didn't quite know what to do with them. And I, I think what happened is as the timeline went on, um, there was a time where divorce started becoming more prominent. We do see that divorce is a real problem today. They say statistically that 50% of marriages end up in divorce. As I told you last week, the average marriage lasts eight years right now before divorce takes place. And we as the church need to be a part of helping that to not happen. And one way that you don't do that is by taking a stern, legalistic, and forceful view of those who have been through a divorce. Because let me tell you what happens, and I tried to, tried to share this last week, that when, when we take a view like that, and we don't let any view that we have, I don't care what topic we're talking about, it has to be, it has to be just covered in grace. And when we don't cover any topic in grace, then what happens is we tend to become a little bit legalistic. We make a lot of rules about it. We put a lot of boundaries on people, and we, we kind of treat people as though they can't escape the situation that they've been in. And what I mean is that when someone comes to Jesus Christ or when somebody finds themselves in their life where they want to come back to Jesus Christ, or maybe somebody has been with Jesus all along, but they've had unfortunate circumstances happen in their life, we as the body of Christ have to be willing to usher in and, and help them to find that place where Jesus Christ brings them to a place of wholeness and a place of healing, not be the kind of church that puts them back in the corner and says, listen, we don't approve of that, we don't like that, and so we're not going to let you be a part of the body of Christ. Or if you are a part of the body, you're going to be kind of, kind of have that little that tag on you, you know? When it comes to people who have been through a divorce, it's almost like we've made them wear this big D around their neck, you know? And, and, and almost like they're identified as they're part of our church, they're part of our family, but we limit what they're allowed to do. They're not allowed to teach, not allowed to be deacons, not allowed to preach, not allowed to do this, not allowed to do that. And, and for so long, the church had this stance on divorce that was so hard that it kept people from finding healing and wholeness in Jesus Christ. Then I think what happened is the church and everybody in the church started seeing that it was affecting their lives as well. I would dare say, and I've done it a couple times here, that if I asked you to raise your hand, if you've been affected in one way, shape, or fashion by divorce, to raise your hand, that, that everybody in here would. Everybody in here has been touched by divorce in some way, shape, or fashion. 
whether you've been through a divorce or whether somebody in your family has been through a divorce or a friend or your parents or some, you know, everybody has been touched by it because it affects everybody. It's kind of like when you stand off from a swimming pool and take a brick and throw it in, there's ripples that go out, right? It's not just that one spot where the brick hits, it affects the entire pool. Well, that happens in our life too. Divorce affects all of us. And so I think what happened was People started to be affected by divorce. It started to hit close to home, and they started to look at some of the teachings and probably didn't get enough into the Word to really look and see what the Bible says about marriage and divorce and remarriage and all the things that go with it. And so we kind of did what we do with a lot of topics when we don't know what to do with it. We take it and we kind of put it in one of those back closets way in the back of the church and shut the door and kind of don't talk about it very much. It's kind of like after the first week I got here, I kind of started going through all the closets. You know, I wanted to see kind of everything in here. And I, I went in the back and I found these two big containers that used to have those Cheeto cheese balls in them, you know. And they were just stuck back in a closet and I th- it still had some of the Cheeto residue, you know. And it's like somebody must have emptied those with the kids, you know, because I don't blame them. They're good. We like to eat those things at my house, too. And then they thought, well, these containers are good for something, but I don't know what and don't know what to do with it. I really hate to throw it away, so I'm just going to put it in this closet and shut the door. I don't know how long they were there, you know? The lid keeps the Cheeto dust pretty fresh, so I couldn't really age it when I was tasting it, but I I didn't taste it, I promise you. But that's kind of what we do with certain topics. And I think it's time for us to stop doing that, especially with this topic. And one of the reasons I say that is because as a pastor, I evaluate the church a lot. And I, I try to say, okay, what, what are the kind of things, and I, I go to God in prayer, and, and what are the kind of things that we need to talk about, that we need to preach about, that we need to teach about in the church? And one of the things that I see in this church is there are several people, a lot of y'all, that have been through a divorce. And so as a pastor, one of the things that's important to me is that If there ever comes a day where I'm not the pastor anymore, as far as I'm concerned right now, you're stuck with me for the long haul. I'm sorry, we all have our burdens to bear. But if God so chooses that I'm gone in a year or two years or ten years or whenever, I don't ever want to be able to look back and say, I didn't address the topics that affect the people in my church. That that I didn't try to do the things that help the people in my church, regardless of what their condition is, regardless of what their past is regardless of what they've been through, that that I didn't help them see Jesus Christ specifically for that situation. And so I was asking several people afterwards. I had tons of people last week come up and give me comments, and I appreciate all the comments, especially those who affirmed how it blessed you to hear a refreshing view and a common sense, a spiritually common sense approach to Scripture, um, and, and just know that that there is more than maybe what meets the eye sometimes when we just kind of read a verse and then we draw these conclusions that really don't work for people's lives and definitely don't usher in healing and don't bring people to confidence in their relationship with Jesus Christ. But I asked a lot of people, when's the last time you heard somebody preach on it? And almost every one of them said, never. I've never heard it. And a lot of young people, and if you're younger than probably maybe 35 right now, you probably haven't heard very much spoken about this topic because we just haven't known what to do with it, you know? We just haven't known how to deal with it because we we don't want to condone divorce. And Don't get me wrong. I don't condone anything that causes pain for your life. And and we know that the Bible says that, that, that God hates divorce. But one of the things I wanted to make clear again is that the reason God hates it is because of the pain that it brings into your life, because of the problems that it brings into your life. Anything that God hates that he doesn't want in our life, 
He does so because he wants health and happiness and joy and blessings and good things for our life. Anytime you find anything in the Bible and there's something that you know it would go against the Word of God, the reason it goes against the Word of God is because God wants the best for us, so he doesn't want us to do those things. But the reality is, no matter how long of a list you make this morning of things that we're not supposed to do, we do them. Amen? Who said amen? What have you done? I'm just kidding you. You know, we do them. We always make mistakes. Every one of us. We are human beings. And one of the things that we have to start doing is addressing these topics with the understanding that we are all human beings. I don't care whether we're talking drug addiction, alcoholism, whether we're talking about uh, broken relationships, whether we're talking about financial irresponsibility. I don't care what it is. We have to approach it with the understanding that we are human beings. And so we're looking for an answer to these problems. And the answer is not going to be in us making rules or boundaries or treating people the wrong way because they've done these things. It's always going to be found in us saying, where do we go? And the answer, of course, can only be Jesus Christ. Amen? That has to be the approach. And like I said, as, as your pastor, that is definitely my approach for you as a church because I want you to be spiritually healthy. I want you, regardless of what you've been through, I want you to, to, to feel like, well, there is hope for me. And the hope is found in Jesus Christ. That it's not even found in what James preaches or teaches because all I do is I challenge you with the Word of God, I plant the seed of the Word of God in you, and then your, your responsibility is to take it and to check it against what you see in the Word of God. The answer, though, always has to be Jesus Christ. What He came to do, what He did proficiently, what He did successfully, and that was He died for our sins. When He went into the grave, He came out of that grave with the power to give us new life, and that's what we've got to hold on to. If we don't hold on to that, then... Brothers and sisters, we have nothing we can hold on to. Amen? It's got to be Jesus Christ. And so last week I gave you the opportunity to ask questions, and um, I didn't get any questions, which tells me I either A, covered it so thoroughly, or B, you checked out because I did preach almost an hour. Sorry for that. It's not going to be that long this morning. Or, or C, maybe... Maybe you just really didn't know what to ask. And I've been in that position before. Sometimes I don't even know what questions to ask. But the one question I think everyone who has been through a divorce needs to ask and have answered is pretty simple. And that's this one right here. Where do I go from here? And by the way, that's not just for people who've been through a divorce. That's for you, whatever your situation is. In fact, it's you right here, right now, even if things have been, been going pretty good. Because I don't ever want you to have the false impression or the false idea that you either have it under control and everything's great and that you can just live by your own power and resources. And I also don't want on the other side anybody who's been through a rough time. Maybe you have made bad decisions. Maybe bad decisions have been made that affected your life in a very powerful and real way. Maybe you made some mistakes, maybe you, uh, maybe you did go through a divorce, or maybe, maybe, uh, maybe the divorce happened and, and you didn't even ask for it to happen. I, I've got a dear friend who, when his wife went shopping, she really went away so that the sheriff's department could deliver a, a divorce decree to his house, you know, and summons. I've, I've known a lot of people who didn't want it to happen, and, and, and so whether you wanted it to happen or not, whether you caused it or not, 
what, the fact that you went through it, I believe, leaves people who have been through a divorce asking the question, where do I go from here? What do I do now? Can I ever find love again? Can I ever get married again? Do I have to stay in hope that maybe I can work it out? Am I obligated to go back and work it out with the, the spouse that I had? What about me and other people? Are they going to treat me different? Are they going to look at me different? Should I walk with my head high, high or, or should I act like I'm ashamed or should I feel guilty or should I show some sort of remorse for my situation? Do I own explanation to the people in my church? Do I, do I get to still be, be a member of my church? Can I still do the ministry that I believe God created me to do? Can I still do the things that God wanted me to do in the church? Can I, can I still reach out to people without them pointing their finger at me and saying, who are you to talk to me? Look what you've been through. A lot of questions, but I think the one that answers, or that really we all ask and needs to be answered, is where do I go from here? And I guess, I guess the reason that we ask that is because when we go through things on this earth that we didn't plan on going through or want to go through, we find ourselves with this burden of not having that sense of direction on where we can go from here, on, on what our life is going to look like now. And, and if I was to answer this question, I would just simply tell you, that where you go from here is right towards Jesus Christ. Now that sounds a bit simplistic, if you will. Uh, look at, I want to share the verse with you again last week that we looked at in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. This is where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. I, I, I love this passage so often because... Because when we deal with a burden, and if you're dealing with the burden of divorce and, or divorce in your past, and you're just really struggling, where do you go from here? I believe you have to start with that, that, that truth of coming to Jesus Christ and giving him your burden. Seeking answers from him. Seeking the wholeness from him. Allowing him to, to, to relieve you of this thing that you've been feeling like, like now you're damaged goods. We all have to come to Jesus Christ for the purpose of knowing that we are made whole in Jesus Christ based on who he is and what he has done for us, not based on anything that we have done or anything that we can do to make up for what we've done wrong. Now, I will say that one of the most important steps in coming to Jesus Christ is that step of repentance. And you remember we've talked about repentance before, about how repentance is not going back and cleaning up your messes. It's saying, I, I have this mess in my life. I have this thing in my life, and I don't want that there anymore. And so repentance is a change of mind and a change of heart. It's really described as a 180-degree turn. And so from here, no matter where you're at in your life right now, and this really uh, applies to each and every one of us, we, we, we're really to be repentant people all the time, constantly seeking to turn our hearts and our minds back towards the cross of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we go back and fix it. We leave it to him to take care of the things behind us. And we simply point our lives towards him. And right where we are, we head forward towards Jesus Christ. I was going to take some time and go through 1 Corinthians chapter 7 this, week, uh, this morning. I, I don't want to, to do a very long talk this morning, though, because I, I, I really put it on y'all last week with that. And so I'm going to assign y'all homework. And that is to go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 this week. It's a very important passage because what it does is it teaches us that, and, and you have to kind of go back and look at the context and realize that these people had a lot of questions that they were obviously asking Paul. 
And one of the questions obviously was, hey, I've been through a, a situation where I was married and now I'm not married again or, or anymore and then I, then I want to get married. Or some other people had the question of, I've been divorced and now I'm married. Or some people had the question of, I've never been married and should I get married? And, and it seems like throughout there's this theme of, is marriage right or wrong? And one of, the, one of the themes of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is that marriage is right. And I bring that up because of a teaching that we addressed last week where somebody who has been divorced and they gets married, they get a lot of pressure or guilt put on them because they have been married again. And, and, and while there are some complications that that adds to your life and there's, there's things that we would have to consider just, just basically for the sake of where you are in life and the fact that you, you, you don't want to be in a pattern of divorce and marriage and divorce and marriage, I, I want to tell you that the answer to that and the answer to, to really where it is that you are right now, one very important passage that Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 7 is where he says, I want you to remain where you are in your coming to Christ. And so, where, whatever your situation is, and I talk specifically to those who have been in, in through a divorce, I want you to know that where you're at right now, you don't have to look backwards and, and plan on trying to repair, fix, and all these things unless God has led you to that and called you to that. And if it's still possible to go back and regain that relationship that you have, then do it. But as we looked at last week, once the new marriage takes place, you cannot go back and regain that relationship. And so I believe that's where we would go to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where he says, basically, stay where you are. You're in a new marriage, you stay right there. And you make this work, and you, you break your mentality of, the, of, of, of that a divorce is even an option anymore. You see, that's one of the problems I think we have in the way that we've taught it, and then the way that we've ignored it for so long. We haven't healed people's lives. We haven't given them hope. We haven't helped them find redemption in Jesus Christ and wholeness in Jesus Christ. And so what happens is they continue to go from one relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship without healing. And if you don't, if you don't find healing in Jesus Christ, you're going to be stuck in a pattern. And by the way, that applies to whatever it is that you've got that plagues your life, whatever problem or mistake or bad decision that you have. And you'll notice that. Because if you're like me, you can look at your life and you can say, you know, this thing keeps coming up in my life over and over. And I, I determine I'm not going to do it. I, I don't want it part of my life anymore. And pretty soon I find myself doing it again. Paul said that in Romans chapter 7. You remember he said, the things that I don't want to do, those are the things I do. The things I know I need to do, I don't do those things. Who will deliver me from this bondage that I'm in? Well, the answer is simple, Jesus Christ. And we don't get delivered from the things that keep coming up in our life over and over again if we don't go to Jesus Christ. That's why I say the bottom line to anything that we deal with on this topic of divorce is point somebody to Jesus. Better yet, grab them by the hand and walk with them to the cross of Jesus. Don't just kind of push them that way, you know. Don't just say, he's over there, go on. Let's, let's have compassion for people. Let's have sympathy for people. Let's have empathy for people. Let's have a heart for people that says, I know that what you've been through has been rough and it's hard on you. And I want to show you and introduce you to the one who loves you so much that it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done, he will embrace you. And if he embraces you, I embrace you. 
We're not going to put a bunch of rules and regulations on you and a bunch of stipulations or limit your membership in our church or hold you back from being who God has called you to be because Jesus doesn't do that, you see. And if Jesus doesn't do it, we certainly don't have a right to do it. Amen? We've got to be a people who look at people and their situations and problems and the things that maybe they did wrong or that were done wrong to them and not just put a big letter on them, not just tattoo them with damaged goods on them, not, not just identify them as, hey, they're a great person, but you know what they've got in their past. Because I promise you, that can be done to each and every one of us. Maybe it's not a divorce for you, but what is it? We've all got our stuff. Amen? You're not saying amen very much. Maybe, I, maybe I'm just kind of, I don't know, scaring you, boring you, putting you to sleep. I don't know. But this is just really, this is kind of a soapbox of mine. Because I've seen too many people go through their lives and not find the healing that they need. And I've said it once, I'll say it again and again and again. I don't care what the topic is, but especially when we're talking about divorce, if you are not covering this subject, with the grace of God, then you're missing it. You're going to miss it. You're not going to be able to reach out to people. You're not going to be able to minister to people. And let me tell you something. There are so many people, probably even in here, but I know out there that need to be ministered to. They don't need to be talked about. They don't need to be gossiped about. They don't need to be held back, pushed back. They need to be embraced. They need to be they need to be brought into the body of Christ. They need to be introduced to Jesus Christ so that they can find the healing and wholeness that they, just like any of us, deserve. Because I'll tell you, like I said last time, divorce isn't any different than anything that we have in our life. We all need Jesus Christ. And for those of you who have been divorced, I, I just want to offer this to you. If you need to talk, if you need to look at some scriptures, if you want, if you want to be ministered to, I, I promise you that I'm available to you. Because I want you to be healthy. If you're married right now, I want you to be healthy for that, for that relationship that you're in. If you're ever to get married again, I want you to be healthy for that relationship that you're going to go into. Because I've seen too often where we haven't ministered to people, and so what they do is they bring their scars and their wounds and their garbage basically to the table and, and, and they, they set it on the table and they build this new relationship and what happens is things that they weren't healed from things that they weren't able to deal with in the past come up again that's why second marriages have a higher chance of failing than first marriages and third even higher than that and, and it's just it's, there comes a time where you have to deal with your stuff and if you deal with your stuff, then you're going to be a blessing if you're married right now to the person that you're married to. And if they've been through a divorce, they have to deal with their stuff so that you can make this work. That's part of the repentance process, saying, listen, I'm determined that, that I'm not going to fit into the statistics. I'm determined that I'm not going to follow what the world says is probably going to happen. I'm going to show them by the blood of Jesus Christ and the power that he gives me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which means nothing from my past has to sneak up into my presence. And nothing has to ruin my future because I am a child of God. I want to kind of close by doing two things. One of them is reading from Romans chapter one, uh, 8, 
verses 1 through 11. And I just, I, I definitely want to speak to those of you who have been through a divorce. And I want you to hear what Paul says about the condition of your life in Jesus Christ. He says this, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness in our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that we, uh, so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them uh, do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So the key to this, and whatever your, your thing is, is Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to offer to you and to anyone, especially those who are out here that don't even have the knowledge or the invitation given to them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what I've been telling you all along, is that our job is to get the invitation out there. Because there's people who are dealing with the same things that people in here deal with, but you've got an opportunity to have Jesus Christ in your life. You, you have made the decision, many of you, most of you, or all of you, I hope, to, to take Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you did, trust in that. Trust in that. It's not about trusting in the things that you've done right or wrong. It's about trusting who he is and what he's done for you and what he offers you. And trust in that so much so that it fills you up, it heals you, it cleanses you, it makes you whole, and then you can't help but to tell other people about it. I think if we all really comprehended what Jesus has done for us, we'd be standing out there on the porch and everybody who walks by, we'd snag them and get them in a headlock and drag them in here and say, come on, you got to have some of this stuff too. I mean, we would, be, we would be begging people, please, please come and, and at least be introduced to the one who has salvation and forgiveness for you. And then let them make the decision as to what they're going to do. That's what we need to do. So just because I don't like to uh, bring a topic up and then leave it set, and I've been talking to a, you, a few of you about this already, we're going to be starting a, a ministry here at Spiro FBC called Divorce Care. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of this ministry before. I actually led this ministry, oh, probably about 10 or 12 years ago in West Texas. And it was a very powerful, powerful ministry. Um, Divorce Care is basically a 13-week Bible study. I'm actually going to have a video. Actually, would you go ahead and play that video right now for me, Gary?
This is a really powerful ministry, and I'm excited that we have some people here who would like to be involved in that. Um, I want to tell you that a week from this Wednesday night after church, we're going to have a short meeting. If you want to be a part of helping uh, this this, uh, ministry here, then, uh, like I said, one week from this Wednesday night after church, we'll have a short meeting. I need to build a group of people who are willing to uh, help make this work. Um, it's, a, it's a very easy thing to do. It's got a great curriculum with it. It's really push and play. It's got a DVD series, and then you have some discussion, but we have to have people who will host it. We have, people who have to have people who help get the word out. My goal is, is after spring break to run a male group and a female group, uh, men's and women's. Yeah, male and female, and those are men and women's. So uh, we're going to run that afterwards um, and after spring break and let our people go through it. And so um, be listening for your opportunity to go through the divorce care series. And then my goal is by this fall to open it up to people who aren't part of this church. Um, I think that's such an important thing for us to do. It's a great outreach, and it's a great way to minister to them. I don't care whether they're a member of another church or, or they don't have a church. It would just be a great thing to be able to provide this ministry for them. I can tell you that when I ran it, um, I, I only had enough room for about 20 people, and at all times I had a waiting list um, of people who were wanting to go through it. Um, and it's a powerful, powerful time just to be able to go through and deal with the different hurts and the different wounds and the different things that you deal with. Some of them that uh, some of the people who were going through the group didn't even realize that they were actually dealing with that. They never really could pinpoint it and put a name to it, you know. And so through this, they were able to identify it and deal with it and get past it and go on. And a lot of great blessings come from it. And I've really been praying about it for quite a while to do here. And uh, it's been great because I uh, had some, some folks in our church, like I said, that came up and, and we started talking about it. And they're excited about it, and I am too. And, and I want to tell you that it's not just divorce. It's, it's different things that we as a church need to start really paying attention to. We can't just preach generic sermons. We can't just have a generic God bless you as, as people go out the door. We have to be attentive to the needs of people. And we have to help people find Jesus Christ for their specific ge- situation. And let me tell you something. He is there for them. I don't care what your situation is this morning, whether it fits into what we're talking about or maybe it's something totally different. I promise you that Jesus Christ has an answer for you. And, and if you will just point your life towards him and, and start making, making progress towards one step at a time, moving closer and closer to Jesus, and if you need us to help you with that, we are here for you. I, will, I, will, I want to join you on that journey. I don't want you to feel like you're alone in this. It, it's, it's a team sport, okay? We all need Jesus Christ, and we want to help you as you uh, make your journey towards him, dealing with whatever it is that you have to deal with. But I'm going to ask you to be praying for the divorce care ministry and, and be a participant in that, if you will, um, if you feel so led to do that. Can we pray together? Father God, uh, this is a pretty heavy topic, <clears throat> and it's pretty heavy even more so for people who've been through it. Uh, and I just, I just want to pray over our people, Father, in our church who've been through a divorce. Some of them, it was a decision that really wasn't of their choosing. Some of them made the decision. Maybe they even initiated it. Some of them had things that were done very painful to them that caused them to have to to exit that relationship. Maybe, Father, there's some in here who actually were the, uh, were the ones who did the, did the things. 
I guess my point is, Father, you know all too well the who's, the when's, the where's, the why's, and the what's. But you're such a good God. And I, I just want to take a moment and just, Father, even in prayer, just remind all of those who have been through it that you are a good God and that you're wanting people to experience your goodness. That it's easy to get down on ourselves over mistakes that we've made or things done to us. It's easy to define ourselves based on what we've done or things that have been done to us. It's easy to forget that our lives are not measured by accomplishments or failures or the things that we do in our life, but that our lives are, are measured by the glory that is found in you as we come into a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ, and commit our lives to him. And I pray, Father, that if anybody is struggling this morning, maybe it's not divorce, maybe, it's, maybe it is an addiction of some sort, maybe it's just a fear or stress or worry maybe it's uh, something father that has come into their life that they know you don't want it in their life I pray father that each one of us see that the only answer to any of that is found in Jesus Christ for those who have taken your son as their savior father I, I pray that you remind each one of them right now about the salvation that he offers but that that salvation doesn't start the day we die that that salvation started the moment we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. That the cleansing and the forgiveness and the wholeness, the purity, that it's ours on a continuing basis. That his blood continues to wash us clean. That your grace is ours at all times of the day. Always flowing through our life, Father. And that as we seek to, to be closer to you, that we, would, that we would trust in your promises, Father that you have forgotten our sins as far as the east is from the west, that you don't keep a record of wrongs, and that you simply love us because we are your children. I pray, Father, that you give each one of them a confidence in who you are and what you've done, and that you didn't just do it once, but that you keep on doing it. And Father, if there's anyone in here that's never really made a decision for your son, Jesus Christ, never really taken him on as Savior, and I, I would say to those, if that fits you this morning, that you have an opportunity right now to lay your burdens down at his feet. And I, I would just encourage you to, to pray along with me as you pray a prayer that says, Dear God in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge to you that I am a sinner, and I am sorry for my sins and the life that I have lived without you. And I need your forgiveness. I believe that your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, shed his precious blood on the cross at Calvary. And he died for my sins. And I am now willing to turn from my sin and turn towards him. You said in your holy word that if we confess the Lord our God and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we shall be saved. Right now, I confess Jesus as the Lord of my soul. With my heart, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. This very moment, I accept Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior and as the Lord of my life. And according to his word, I believe that I am forgiven and I am saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for your unlimited grace. And I pray that you transform my life so that I may bring glory and 
honor to your name forever. It is in Jesus' precious name that I pray. Amen. Let's all stand. and As the praise team uh, gets ready to lead us in song, that we would just uh, really trust in the promises of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm going to let Sean explain to you a song that he's going to sing. He sang it last week. There's a powerful story behind it. And, and then I'm going to encourage you that if you need to respond to the invitation, that you do that. And I, I'll tell you, i got to tell you this. One time, I, that's always kind of been my line, you know, that if you need to respond. And I remember a dear friend of mine coming up and said, you know, sometimes we say that and we let people off the hook. Instead of saying, if you need to respond, we need to remind, there's a lot of you here that you, you need to respond. You need to stop going through your life holding on to the things you're holding on to. And I know it's kind of simple and maybe corny and, and all that to step out of the aisle and come forward, and, and, but, it, but it's an act of courage that says, I'm not going to stay in this place anymore. And some of you all need to respond.